After week one, Washington has lost the national championship. That and a grab bag of all other Pac-12 non-conference results on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, not Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So, let's get things started right away uh, with Utah hosted Weber State in a no-line game at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, Very briefly, Weber State was in front, looking tough, and then Utah remembered they were a Pac-12 team. Utah 41-10 winners. They got off to a good start, just as we thought they would. And, I mean, I didn't really get much from this game other than I was happy that it was on last Thursday and we had real college football to watch. Yeah, the joy I had from this game was when Weber State was briefly ahead and I flipped on the game and Utah had like a fourth and one at midfield and Weber State just stoned them. And I was like, oh, wow, the conference. And then, you know, you check in again later in Utah running away with the thing. And I think I might have misreferred to Tyler Huntley as uh, Bryce Huntley or something like that. What's the name of that quarter or Brent Huntley? Because I got it mixed up with that old UCLA quarterback the uh, Seahawks just required. Tyler. He's a Tyler. Okay. That's that's my takeaway from that game. Second, San Diego State and Stanford. Stanford were 14.5 point favorites, if I recall correctly. And Stanford covered that line up. San Diego State looked tough early in this game. They were hanging around, but uh, too much Stanford. And the story of this game, uh, the big dog, Stanford's big receiver, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, six receptions, 226 yards, three touchdowns, including one 80-yarder, but otherwise just high-pointing, which is, uh, you know, you've seen from Stanford tight ends through the years, but they their receivers have been like, Ty Montgomery type guys who weren't like overwhelming physically. JJ Arcega Whiteside is a huge, huge receiver and they're using him right. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I always kind of look at that as in terms of I wonder how sustainable it is, like in conference play when, you know, the team that you're playing might have a cornerback who's tall also. Yeah. Um, but for now, San Diego State didn't appear to have that. And they did power to shut down Bryce Love and did an excellent job taking him out of the game he never really got going had no you know no stat line to speak of really in the game but our sega white side more than made up for that with his his big day and, and like you said it wasn't much of i mean it wasn't crazy routes or you know slide of hand or anything it was just you know run down the sideline i'm gonna throw it as high as i can for you and you're gonna go get it yeah uh, another funny thing i remember we agreed last week that san diego state couldn't have a third running back after uh, Donnell Pumphrey and Rashawn Penny. They do. <laughs> and they yes. yeah, he was great in this game. Uh, Juwan Washington for them. So San Diego state keeping it rolling for them. Uh, but yeah, Stanford covers up that line and that's good for Stanford because Stanford traditionally as like kind of a larger favorite against a competent opponent has not been a put away type team, but they really uh, stamped it out against San Diego state and a little revenge game for them, a game they lost last year. Uh, And honestly, huge for them to show that they can get it done without anything from Bryce Love because they had that guy keyed up like a borderline troubling debut for Bryce Love. Because I think I'm not sure he got 50 yards in the game. I don't think so. 
18 carries, 29 yards. That you, I'll give you maybe one of those in a Heisman season, but the rest of them got to be great. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next up, we got Rocky Mountain Showdown. Uh, Adam Vesco or Mile High or whatever the hell they call it. Sport Authority Field at one point. Uh, Colorado against Colorado State. Colorado State were favored in this game. Uh, you and I correctly pointed out that this was an absolute farce, and Colorado backed us up, made us look good, stood tall for the Pac-12. 45-13 winners. Uh, Colorado, amazing. Good for them. Exactly as we thought they should. Who is – this is one of the first games uh, that we have where there's a guy that bears monitoring. And that guy in this game is none other than LaVisca Chenault uh, Jr. I know you're yeah. saying LaVisca, yeah. LaVisca Chenault, he's too old to play anymore. No, of course it's his son LaVisca Chenault Jr. 11 receptions for 211 yards in this game. If you get a 19.2 catch average – on a game where you catch three balls, that's a fantastic game. He caught 11 of them. It's not bad. It's not bad at all, dude. Uh, true sophomore from Texas and a big boy and a fast boy. So, yeah, good job, Colorado. Looking to bounce back from the kind of hangover year they had. Uh, next up, we had Ohio State and Oregon State. This game, you know, we thought Ohio State was going to win by however many they wanted to. But I'll tell you what, on a, li- on a game where the line is 38 which i believe it was and you tell me you tell me before the game that oregon state's going to score 31 points i'm i'm betting everything i have on the cover and i would have been wrong and you did (laughs) yeah couldn't do it i couldn't do it and there was a weather delay in this game like everybody was trying to help the bees out with this cover and Ohio state just wasn't interested yeah, this was like a total uh but, but were you panicking because this game was before the Washington game? I was like on Twitter in a for a brief couple moments of panic and I couldn't find the answer until Kevin Naganti broke in and was like we're done watching this bullshit. We're going to switch to the good game when the good game starts. <laughs> I guess that's true. I didn't think about that, but uh no, I just there's no takeaway from this game for me other than it was boring and poor Jonathan Smith had to open up his head coaching career in like arguably the worst possible circumstances that you can think of, you can imagine. I had a takeaway from this game actually along the lines of LaVisca Chenault Jr. Twice I looked up in this game and who's that breaking past Ohio State's uh entire defense but the uh Oregon State running back Artavis Pierce 11 carries 168 yards against Ohio State and two monster touchdowns. One of them, 80 yards. No, it's not bad at all. Yeah, I mean, I looked, twice I looked up and I was like, "Holy, they cannot! They how can they not stop this guy? He he appears to be faster than them." And they probably weren't paying attention. Yeah, they probably they probably weren't. They're good. They that's kind of you know Ohio State's maybe soft spot is that some things they just don't pay attention to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we had USC hosting UNLV, and uh, USC were what twenty-five point favorites in this game. We both had them to cover. They did not. Uh, they win by twenty-two in a scoreline. You'd have to say that flatters USC. Forty-three to twenty-one winners. They won the fourth quarter by seventeen points. 
to make up the lion's share of that margin. This was a game going into the fourth quarter. This was this was a big time game going into the fourth quarter. Scores third quarter. It was nineteen to fourteen going into the fourth quarter, and then USC pours it on late, probably as UNLV gets a little tighter and and the possibility that they might win the game gets a little too real for them. Yeah, um, and you know teams like that aren't prepared to face that potential reality, and so it goes poorly for them in the end. And USC obviously has superior athletes all over the field. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what to take, take away from this game. JT Daniels, the true freshman starting quarterback, had a, had a decent line. Um, I'm going to say I, subpar. Yeah, I mean, obviously subpar. I just – I think it's just – I don't – I wasn't really expecting much from USC to begin with. So, I don't know that I'm not, like, that disappointed that they didn't dominate UNLV, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of am always am going to give USC the benefit of the doubt and expect them to just steamroll teams that are beneath them, which is basically everybody, but certainly people from lesser conferences. So I'm I'm nonplussed, but they got the win. Yeah. All right. Uh, Oregon hosted Bowling Green. Uh, was the line on this game like 33? Did they get it by one? Yeah. Good for them. Good line. Way to keep Weird. way to keep everybody interested. Uh, I take away nothing from this game. Oregon, uh, the past few years, has steamrolled lesser opponents at home in these kind of non-conference games. Uh, do, I mean, it's it's weird that Justin Herbert completed less than half of his passes, but you know he also had five touchdowns. What are you going to do? They they did whatever they wanted. Ten completions and five of them were touchdowns. Like it's pretty good. Yeah, you keep that rate of return. I'd say yeah. th- throw more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we had Washington State at Wyoming. This was a really good game. You know, uh, it was close, and the Cougs showed a lot. The Cougs, who have stumbled out of the gate the last couple of years against lesser opponents, last few years against lesser opponents, uh, this year took on a tougher matchup on the road against a Wyoming team that took care of business in week one. They were 1-0 coming in. Washington State were hanging tough. It was a close game in the second half, and then – the Cougs poured it on late, 21 to 0 in the fourth quarter. They end up getting a blowout, a little runaway, 41 to 19. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Go Cougs. That was a solid game for them. Yeah, another game where the issue was in doubt going into the fourth quarter, 20 to 19 WSU, and that virtue of that 21 to nothing win in the fourth quarter makes you know makes the scoreline look a little different than the game. Uh, I think really was, but I mean, I, I think it. You know, we talked about last time, WSU had kind of a rough offseason and, um, you know, for a variety of reasons. And so, you know, Wyoming is a hard place to go win, so good for them. Yep. Uh, Next up, we had California hosted North Carolina, uh, the game that put Justin Wilcox on the map as a head coach last year. He turns around, beats North Carolina 24-17, a 24-17 win that uh, very much flatters North Carolina. Uh, It was – 24 to three until late, 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 late in this game. Uh, North Carolina scored 14 points like inside five minutes ago in the fourth quarter. Uh, had an onside kick, put a little scare in Cal, but Cal took care of business in this game. Yeah, those. I mean, all that North Carolina's points really served to do was push the line. So, yeah. So what I would say is uh, my takeaway from this one is uh, three quarterbacks splitting duty for California, and I'm unaware of any injuries now. None of them did a damn thing. You know, I understand why maybe they went to somebody else because they 
each of them, the ones who had saw significant time through for 56 and 54 yards respectively. Uh, but yeah, I, that's, you know, you thought Bowers looked solid at times last year. So it's surprising that he had the hook, but it looks like it was warranted. Yeah. Next, we're going to a game in Pasadena that you were all over citing a, 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 what do you call a track record at this point of Chip Kelly first game disappointments, UCLA at home against Cincinnati, Cincinnati riding a big second quarter win 26 to 17. I don't know. Do you take anything away from this? No, I looked up at the first quarter in this game and UCLA was up 10, nothing. And I was like, ah, crap. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw him score early, and then I kind of I, – I didn't pay attention to it. And then from there, it just went downhill. I know that the starter for UCLA got hurt early, uh, starting quarterback, uh, uh, Wilton Spate. Um, so yeah. UCLA was on their back of quarterback in a hurry. Um, so who knows what, what impact that had on the outcome of the game. But, I mean, U- UCLA is not any good, man. Um they, they're really going to struggle this year. They had a terrible defense last year. It's not that much better this year in terms of talent. And they offensively, they just don't have much in terms of talent. So, uh, it, you know, Chip Kelly's system takes a little while, and it's going to take him a while to stock the covers down there in Westwood. But given what he's got to recruit with, I'm sure he'll figure it out. So um, maybe not this season, but, you know, next couple of years. It'll, it'll be kind of interesting to watch uh, now that Chip Kelly has lost the element of surprise, you know, that like essentially anything he gets going at UCLA is going to be to some extent a watered down version of what he had going at Oregon minus the element of surprise. So that'll be interesting to see what level of success he's able to create for them down there. Well, and minus a lot of money. I mean, he's got a big upgrade in terms of physical location, but in terms of pure cash balance, you know, he's, he took a big hit to his balance sheet there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're trading what you're able to pay for players to, for like, you know, just the natural draw of UCLA, which has always brought in kind of big time talent. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Arizona state hosting UTSA, Arizona state. We're favored in this game. You and I both know knew that UTSA played this Arizona State team tough last year. Almost beat them. I think it was like 32-28 or something like that. We maligned the arrival of Herm Edwards as just an absolute farce. Here was something I was considering after watching, you know, the Pac-12 60-minute replay of this game. What if Herm Edwards is the best college coach? <laughs> Here's one, what, one, 60 minute, one 60 minute replay was enough. Huh? Yeah. Here's what I'm thinking. Cause like, well, I, this is, this is like all about me. I don't want to th- say what any other people say, but I view like the, like a top level college football coach as like, like the number one tier one operators that I can think of, you know, like these, these are the guys who have their acts all the way together. Don't take anything off of anybody. Uh, absolute masters of their domain, you know, like they, you know, run their little fiefdoms, uh, have their recruiting, you know, their, their institutions under themselves. Like when they walk into the room, you feel their energy, you know, like if like urban Meyer shows up at a random high school football game in Ohio, you know, like the vibe changes, everybody knows immediately that he's there or something like that. But there was something I was also thinking, we know that the NFL is better than college, you know? 
But like if, you know, the Cleveland Browns who didn't win a game last year would have handily won the national championship, you know? Uh, what if Herman Edwards is just better than all these people by virtue of being more or less an NFL guy? I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I remain highly skeptical. I'm, I'm willing to consider it. After one game, I was like, God, this would be funny if he turned out to be like the absolute best. Uh, it, it will be funny. They I'm... looked so good. Yeah. They looked so good. I mean, they were just explosion all over. Wilkins is maybe the best quarterback in the conference. That That guy does what he does with a purpose. And it's not like his line was crazy in this game but he was just making correct decisions making uh you know emphatic throws correct reads that guy uh, i was really impressed by him obviously it's a crummy opponent and whatever but you know they beat UW last year um they're like they can play they got some guys down there i don't know i was impressed with arizona state in a nothing game so that'll be hilarious when they lose every single remaining game on their schedule uh next up we have byu going to arizona in a game where we thought, Khalil Tate, how can you mess it up? You got uh, Kevin Sumlin coming in, a great record with uh, dual-threat quarterbacks. Uh, here's what I was thinking after this game. Remember, for briefly, Arizona was going to hire Navy's football coach, and then Khalil Tate tweeted something about how I didn't come to Arizona to run the triple option or something like that. They're, tell me if I'm wrong. Arizona's a much better team if they just run the triple option, right? Undoubtedly. Like, they're un- maybe unstoppable against, like, you know, 90% of whoever they're going to play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, BYU, which uh, has switched from uh, the passing school, the brand that put them on the national map to decide to be a running school for some reason, uh, Smash Mouth Football School, they took that right into Tucson and bullied Arizona 28-23 winners. Yeah, and, B- and BYU also changed from a team that was pretty good to bad in the past four or five years. Yeah. Not a team that you want to be losing to at home. Not at all. Yeah, this is a, a red flag for Arizona. And, like, to me, like, I saw some takes after this game. So, like, oh, Kevin, you know, like kind of the Chip Kelly thing that you were saying is like, oh, give Kevin someone some time. He's got a track record with these players. This, this is a game you cannot be losing. BYU, exactly as you said, has been bad. Yeah. They were yeah. ready to lose that game. And you've got Khalil Tate, who is, you know, phenomenal. He should be able to beat them by himself. Yeah. Can't be losing this game. You just can't do it. Uh, Finally, Washington, Auburn, neutral site game in Atlanta. Uh, The biggest game of the opening weekend of college football. Washington loses to Auburn 21 to 16. Talk to me about it. Super frustrating. Very frustrating. What, uh... Here's the first thing that frustrates me about this game uh, is that, to my mind, Auburn showed up to this game uh, in SEC country knowing that they were going to kick the shit out of us, you know, like like without saying whether that's true or whether that played out. It was clear from when the game started that Auburn knew they were going to fuck us up. Right. You know, and like I got the vibe that Washington was kind of like. Well, maybe if we, you know, kind of run our stuff and get our feet under us, then maybe we can play with these guys and do a couple things. And Auburn was like, we're going to fucking kill you, you know? And and because of that, Washington seeds uh, the, the, you know, first one and a half quarters of this game where they're just trying not to get blown out. Uh, and Auburn, so confident, executing everywhere, an absolute 
miracle that this game went into halftime with only a two point difference. Yeah. It took the greatest catch that I've ever seen out of Quentin pounds on that touchdown. Yeah. Get you dub to a position where they were only two down. And I mean, like you said, the first quarter was just literally hold on for dear life. Yeah. Repeatedly and continually screw the defense over and just see how far they can bend before they break. And to their credit, as they usually do, they stood pretty tall against, you know, Jared Stidham, who looked good. Um, And then slowly as Washington found its footing, you come to realize by like midway, you know, through the third quarter that Washington's actually the better team at that point in the game. Yeah. And should be ahead by more than one score. Um, And, and aren't um, because of, of what, what I'll call just comical incompetence um, inside the 10, even if you kick two field goals, inside the 10 on those two possessions where you got nothing, you're still win, you know, winning the game by four points at that point. You know, you, you're going to force Auburn to score a touchdown to beat you at least. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy the game to be honest with you. I watched it in just, in just varying states of as I, the first quarter was us getting, you know, Washington getting pushed around the second and third quarters were Washington playing much better and getting nothing out of it because of, stupid mistakes and bad play calling and the fourth quarter was time to finish and Auburn finished and Washington did not. Yeah. Uh, I spent this game the first quarter, uh, like jaw on the floor in absolute horror, uh, ready for us to lose by 30 points. And then, uh, it was too nerve wracking for me. So I spent the rest of the game watching it and also cleaning the shit out of my house, you know? Cause I was like, well, when the clock hits zero on this game, I'm going to have something to show for it. You know, so I was like doing a bunch yeah. of laundry, cleaning the kitchen and stuff like that because I just needed something else to focus on. So it was too emotionally draining for me. Uh, and then, you know, intersperse that with some yelling and some clapping. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I was I was amazed when we were only down two at half. Uh, and I was frustrated when we were only up one heading into the fourth quarter because exactly what you said. We were better than them for large stretches of this game. Auburn, I think, had you know, approach 200 yards of offense in like the first quarter. And then for a while there, up until that last drive, we had them comfortably under a hundred for the rest of the game. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's frustrating. My, my, I thought Peterson was, you know, win, win these games is what I was told. Yeah. Coming into this, is that he's like a big game coach. And, you know, we pick bad times for just horrifically bad play calling and, the, the team looks incompetent when push comes to shove. And I mean, and all of it's said and done now that the, the dust has settled. And it's like, well, basically went on the road, played a team that looked pretty freaking good in Auburn, hat, took him down to the wire, you know, absorbed some, you know, bad calls that, that targeting call on Browning was the worst targeting call I've not seen. I mean, like, the miss on that call was insane. Yeah. Keep the drive alive in the fourth quarter. The next possession that Washington punts on the next play, Auburn scores the winning touchdown. I mean, that is a gigantic miss of a call. All of it said and done, and Washington, you know, for the most part, you know, most of the national media were like, hey, Washington's pretty good, actually. Um, It's just very frustrating that they didn't have, you know, 
that one or two extra plays there to win to win the game. Yeah, uh, and also we should have seen this coming because the buzz uh, going into this game where was uh, Washington needs to win or the Pac-12 is finished for the season, you know? Uh, yeah. And then, like, it's like, how can I not anticipate the sports take market, you know? Because, like, that was it. And then as soon as the game is over, it would be like, Washington did fine. You know, they have a narrow margin for error now but they are not eliminated from the college football playoff. And so uh, my, my takeaways from this are a, a couple is that one, I, I'm so disappointed that we showed up scared where if we're trying to be a big time program, we have to show up thinking we're going to kick the shit out of good teams, you know? And like, we can't be doing this showing up pussyfooting into the game, trying to feel out where we are relative to our opposition. You have to go in there thinking you're going to murder people. Uh, as a kind of an extension of that, uh, give me a little bit less of this, uh, built for life, life after football stuff, win me some games first. And then we'll talk about the other great things that the program does. Uh, then the second thing I wanted to talk about in this one was how impressed I was, uh, at one of the big question marks for Washington coming into the season, the wide receivers who played fantastically as a unit, Aaron Fuller, uh, you know, I mean, he looks like he might be a number one option. Ty Jones high punted a couple balls. Uh, like if I'm, I'm sure Auburn was a little bit grousing about the refs on the pass interference calls, which looked like a couple 50, 50 calls that Washington got, but to Washington's credit, it didn't matter because they ended up catching the balls in those situations. You know, it's yeah. like the flag goes and the penalty gets declined. Uh, I'm, I'm not one who really cares about the refs. Uh, you know, what, you know, whatever I'm like, I'm, I'm so mad at we came into that game that I don't care where it was played and I don't care about, you know, like a, a call or two that, that gets missed is going to happen. Just win the goddamn game. I agree. Yeah. All right. So how do we do on picks last week? It looks like we, you filled that out. We did. Okay. Warm, you know, dirty Warren did well. He went seven, four and one. We all got the push on the cow game. Um, I went six, five and one and you had a rough week at four, seven and one. Yep. Only, only my favorite schools of Colorado and WSU really truly coming through for me. Correct. Yep. That was disappointing. Well, a long season ahead. So let's get into next week's action. Put a bow on that. Um, let's start it off on Saturday, 9 a.m. That's too early for Arizona to be playing football. Kevin Sumlin returns to Texas to play Houston. Houston are four-point favorites in this game. So this Give is the, the what I say is the rule on week two has got to be do not overreact to week one. I'm going to do it. I'm going to overreact. <laughs> Can't lose to BYU. I'm going to take Arizona in this game. I love it. Yeah, I, that's probably a bad pick. Khalil Tate is going to stand in the pocket and deal with Ed Oliver, no problem. Well, he just ran away from him. Just say, this guy is... That's what I do. This guy's trying to catch you. You are incredibly fast. I'd tip the fuck out the door. Now, uh, Houston's quarterback, apparently his first name is Eric, but he has a D and an apostrophe in front of that. Any thought of you going to that modification? So it's like, duh, Eric? Uh, De Eric or maybe just Derek, I don't know. 
I think it'd be Derek. 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 I like it. Yeah. I'm th- I'll think about it for my business card in particular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was in uh, high school, I was thrilled to find out about Jaworin Hooker. You know, oh, yeah. I was like, God damn it. That guy is really, you know, doing some innovative things with the Warren. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, next up, we got UCLA. No rest for the weary traveling to Oklahoma, where the odds makers have installed Oklahoma as a slight 30 and a half point favorite at home. That's insane that that happened. And it's even more insane that I'm like, I think Oklahoma is going to cover that. Yeah. Like, that's nuts, but I I don't know. I just feel I just feel like UCLA is in for a long season, and I feel like Oklahoma is going to come out. It's a big enough game. It's a big enough name in UCLA that they'll be up for it. Yeah. And UCLA's defense isn't that good, and I just I feel like they're going to get down early, and they're going to be like, here we go again, and it's just going to be whatever Oklahoma wants from them. I have to say I agree with you. Uh, UCLA was so disappointing, so I'm going to overreact to them. You hate big lines. You do hate big lines. Uh, yeah, but uh, what good did it do me? I thought I made some smart picks. I really thought Oregon State should have come through for me. I feel so cheated by that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought they would. Uh, next up, uh, yeah, so I'll take Oklahoma on that. Next up, we got Oregon hosting Portland State. No line on the game. That's, yeah. a, that's an easy Oregon. I'll take that. Oregon. Nothing really to think about there. No. Uh, next up, Colorado and Nebraska. Let's revive a classic Big 8, Big 12 rivalry. We've got Nebraska as five and a half point favorites at home against a buff team that looked game. Scott Frost's debut game. You know, Lincoln is like, we're back. We've been in the wilderness. Nebraska football. The religion of Nebraska is back finally. I I think Colorado's in a great position going into this game. Nebraska got all jacked up last week for their game against uh, Akron. They had all the way up to the opening kickoff, had the opening kickoff. The lightning opens up, I guess. They clear the stadium. They wait for many hours. They never restart the game, and now the game has been canceled. Uh, so Nebraska has not played any football. They had a huge emotional letdown, which means they have to turn around and re, you know, relight the fire. Which you know, they, they're college kids; they'll be able to do that. But um, you know, they didn't get to run any of the, you know, none of the game plan that they want to do for Akron. Nothing. Um, and now they got to come in with a Colorado team that you love, Mike McIntyre, and they, you know, they look game against Colorado State. They they whooped them good. So I'm I'm gonna take the 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 road. Dog Pac-12 team, which in this day and age is dumb, but that's yeah. okay. That's dicey. But I, I kind of agree with you, and my thought on it is that the line is not exorbitant, and so I'll just take some points on this game. And, yeah, like you said, we don't, one of the big benefits to Nebraska this game, especially with the new staff coming in, is you get some familiarity and some comfort running some plays for the first time against live opposition. And, like you said, they didn't get that benefit. No. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Colorado in that game. That sounds fun. Uh, next up, we got Utah. Now, why is this happening? They're going to Husky Stadium, but which is kind of, I mean, which is kind of interesting to me because I think it means that Utah plays the Huskies two weeks in a row and then and plays in Husky Stadium one of those weeks, but will not be in Seattle at all. 
Who's the other Huskies they're playing? They play UW next week. <laughs> oh. Washington is at Utah week three. That's too early. Yeah, I agree. We'll we'll, we'll <laughs> browse about that later. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know anything about Northern Illinois since uh, what was that big running back's name? Michael Turner. Yeah, he was on Atlanta. That's the last time I paid attention to Northern Illinois. I love the MAC. It's like one of the best conferences. In- I, I always have like Northern Illinois is one of those teams where I and like and I think the MAC in a, in a, to a larger degree. It's where, you know, occasionally when I, when I, when I daydream of a simpler life, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, like particularly a less expensive life. Than I'm, I'm like all the way there with you. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, how nice would it be to like live in like DeKalb, Illinois? And on, you know, and on Saturdays you take the kitties down to Husky Stadium for Northern Illinois, you know, in Maction. Uh, I, you know. I got a, a taste of that with you know my family uh, in Rhode Island. Like I've been to some Rhodey Rams um, games over the years, football and, and basketball. Same thing, where it's just like this is much lower stakes and a yeah. lot more fun. You yeah. know, <laughs> if I could, I could be so happy among these yokels. <laughs> I could, I could, I could be one of them too. You know, yeah. and I would yeah. be, I would be happier. Yeah, much happier. Yeah, I'd just be like, you know. God damn it. Can you believe these assholes are kneeling during the national anthem? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> or just unaware that it's happening at all. No, I'd, I'd be aware nowadays. No, I'd, I'd, I'd be on like a Facebook down. page with all my work friends. And we'd be also mad about, uh, well, you know, the, you know, we'd be like, it. there's no collusion. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'd be so happy. Yeah, I would just be so blissfully aware of the reality of the world. Yeah. Oh, I'd just be I'd be so fucking mad about Chicago all the time, you know, in the yeah, same state. Yeah. Like, God, those they can't get their act together. What's going on, you know? Yeah. And we'd like go out to like Olive Garden on Fridays and stuff. Yeah. And I would love it. Here's the thing. I love that. Oh, yeah, I love that too. I'll the tell you we'll bring you as much salad and like breadsticks as you want i went uh last uh christmas season uh my wife who teaches got you know one of her students got her an olive garden gift card you know so i went over there we like great we were like great we don't have to cook for a night so i just got takeout from over there the one over in uh uh across from the mall like on the other side of the freeway from the mall in tacoma that place was fucking hopping it was so full yeah (laughs) everybody was just having a nice family time over there and like waiting forty minutes for it. I I I love every minute of it. I think I think Utah is probably going to beat the crap out of Northern Illinois. I think I think so too. There is a downside, which is when a Pac-12 school <laughs> shows up. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't care. But you don't care. It would be such a big event. It would, it's going to be such a big deal. They might have a parade ahead of time or something cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I that's a, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my god! Uh, next up, Southern Utah is traveling to. So I'll I'll take Utah in that game also. Uh, yeah. Southern Utah uh, traveling to Oregon State. Oregon State team that at least offensively showed they had something to give. Ohio State, you know, like a presumptive college football playoff team. 
Artavis Pierce, man. That that guy, I, I I was blown away by what he was able to do to that team. I mean, they went into Ohio State, and yeah, they got rolled. But they had a 100-yard rusher. They had a 100-yard receiver. There were some things were happening. Yeah. So, I don't know. Give me Oregon State in this game. Absolutely. We're going to win one. I would hope so. All right. And we were just talking about Washington at Utah being too early. Here's one. USC is going to Stanford. This always happens early, though. Yeah. I think they have. Why? I wonder why they have this rule. I don't know. Uh, probably because they both play Notre Dame every year, and so they have to save a non-conference scheduling because Notre Dame doesn't have a conference, right? So yeah, since they both play Notre Dame every year, they gotta take a what would traditionally be a non-conference week for them and play each other. So that later in the season, they've got the Notre Dame. Yeah, that ma- that makes sense. So Stanford are five-point favorites in this game. Stanford, I have it at four. The line must have moved since oh, I did. Oh yeah, so. So if I get four, that's great. Then I'll take Stanford if I'm getting an extra point. I think so. I mean, I think I think USC didn't show much of anything last week against UNLV, and Stanford looked, you know, competent against SDSU. So I'm, I'm all for it. Either team could win this game. Yeah, I have no sense. So I mean, home seems like a good decision to me in Stanford stability. And I'm like Clay Helton has still has to show me a lot before I believe anything out of USC. I'm still like can't believe that they gave that guy the job. You know, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's like it's astonishing. Like if you're USC, you just can't. Even if he's the right coach for the job, you can't hire him. You have to enjoy being USC and get somebody that maybe only other two two other schools could get, you know? Yes. Like, you should get, like, Condoleezza Rice, just because she, she would never coach anywhere else. You right. know? Like, just get get somebody that nobody, like, that wouldn't answer, you know, uh, you know, like, Missouri's phone calls. But I feel like Missouri maybe could have had Clay Helton. In fact, he probably was talking to Missouri when USC called and he thought it was a joke. Yeah. So he was like, hold on, I'll be right back. And then his agent had to like, be like, no, like for real USC wants to hire you. Yeah. I don't, I've never, I don't get these when like the players, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea when the players are like, we love so-and-so they got to have the job, which I think is what happened with Clay Helton. And I think that's what happened with Cristobal at Oregon. You know, it's like, yeah, these are kids who are going to be here for like a max another three years. And right. like, you know, Oh really? That's a great, thank you for your opinion. What's your salary? Like you're, you're not part of this. Yeah. <laughs> you're here. I appreciate your service, but shut up. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Uh, next Cal going to BYU. That's what's happening. BYU three and a half point favorites in this game. I, I'm troubled by Cal's inability to throw the ball against North Carolina, who I view as just like a very like Cal ACC team, you know, like you should be able to kind of do a little something against them. Uh, BYU looked really good in their first game, but I can't overreact. I can't overreact. Or can I? I'll take BYU. Uh, I see an opportunity. It's true. I, I, took, 
I took Cal in this game, so I got you and I are on Stanford, you and I are on Oregon State, on Utah, Colorado, Oregon. We've got all the same picks. Yeah. This is our first deviation, so. Yeah. Next up, we got – so, I don't. I mean, I don't have anything to say about this game. No. Uh, Michigan State is traveling to Arizona State. Michigan State almost lost last week to some bums, right? Yeah. Like they almost lost to – who was it? I got to look it up. But they, like, very much almost lost to Utah State. They beat them 38-31 to and needed some things to happen in the fourth quarter for that to come through. So Michigan State still ranked. They go on the road to an Arizona State team that I can't stop talking about how much I love them. I know. You try to change my mind on this game. Originally, I kind of thought this was a no-brainer, Michigan State, but I think I'm going to switch over to ASU based on your input. Well, and, that you're dealing with two – you're looking at a great college coach versus just a great coach. Yeah, a leader of men, really. Yeah, exactly. I've, yeah. I've decided to – I'm sure this won't be the last move on my Herm Edwards Odyssey, but I've really been swayed by that last game. This won't be the last swing in what promises to be a fascinating ride. Yeah. I could I never would have seen that coming in a million years, what they did to UTSA. What if they're the team that like pulls the banner for the Pac twelve? Yeah, yeah. They come down and it's Herm Edwards, dude. He got, yeah. And I loved it in his post-game press conference. I, like, watched his post-game presser because I, like, wanted to see what happened. And he was just sitting there talking about it. He was like, too many penalties. We got to clean that up. I was like, ooh, I like what I'm hearing. He's yeah. going gonna to be on their ass. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, they, had two, they had two penalties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he has no idea what was going on. He was just like, penalties. <laughs> Yeah, he was saying he was like, "Oh, we had too many penalties." He's like, "That's what I call bad ball." And I'm like watching it and whispering to no one, "He means football." Like, <laughs> I was like, "He's got his own jargon." <laughs> I really like. I've loved it anyway. But that was thrilling for me. Uh, next up, Washington State uh, coming out their big win. They're playing the San Jose State team that. Uh, not any I, I forget who I saw a tweet about this, but uh, I think it was some prominent college football guy. It was something Somebody was like, maybe they should rethink their D1 status. And I kind of agree with that. The team, they, I mean, this is where Mike McIntyre was from, and he won there, you know? That's why. That's part of the reason I thought he was so good. Now, is, yeah. that, is that true? I'm 80% sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next up, we got... I assume you're taking WSU in this favorable no line scenario. I very much am. All right. Uh, yes, head coach for three years at San Jose State. Okay. Where he went, one and twelve, five and seven, and then ten and two in 2012. And I said, "This is the best coaching job I've ever seen." Until I saw Herm Edwards last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally uh north dakota at washington washington hopefully you know within a play or two will realize they're much better than north dakota and then be able to go ahead and play the rest of their game yeah hopefully it won't be scared heading into this one yeah that would be that would be swell yeah so i don't i mean there's a no line game washington is going to win by a lot of points agreed 
Yeah, and then if I didn't say, yes, I do want Washington State in that game. So, yeah, I mean, a game I'm most looking forward to watching this week, I got to say, is Arizona State. Yeah, I mean, I mean USC Stanford's obviously going to be great, but Arizona State just fascinates me. There's a couple of sneaky games. That Arizona State, Michigan State's good. The, you've got the Nebraska Colorado game that I'm super fired up for. That's going to be a great game because the, the just so much history. You know, I bet that's a real treat for Colorado fans. You know, because like they probably they've been in our conference for a while, but you know, like they, you know, everybody grew up there, grew up watching Colorado big time Colorado Nebraska games. Yeah, like absolutely. they ought to keep playing that little rivalry. I agree. Uh, yeah, USC, Stanford, great. Cal, BYU, interesting. Good games. Yeah. Arizona, Houston, who knows, you know? Uh, yeah, not me. Yeah, not me. All right. Well, that does it for this week at Eligible Receivers. Uh, for Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.